there. Welcome to LSAT Demon Daily. My name is Katie Becker, former LSAT Demon student um, and teacher. Um, I'm with Nathan Fox, one of the founders of LSATdemon.com and host of LSAT Demon Daily and the Thinking LSAT podcast. Howdy. Howdy. Uh, Nathan, we have several questions here from F. I'll read it. It says, hey guys, four slash five, relatively quick questions. First, how long does it typically take to hear back from law schools after submitting your applications? What is on the early side? Katie, you just recently applied to law schools. Uh, do you remember how long it was before you got your first? I guess I should start with how many schools did you apply to? When did you apply? And then how quick did you hear back from some of the schools? I think I heard. So I think I um, applied to about 13. Okay. Um, and I think I heard back uh within six days for one of them <laughs> wow um, was that a school inside the top 14 i mean i know that you are yeah, admitted to yale and mm -hmm. um you know so you're obviously a super strong applicant so schools would be smart to reach out to you quickly if you uh indicate some interest but you heard back from a top 10 school within 10 within six days you said mm -hmm. damn mm -hmm. okay cool yep. others took longer uh so it was sure. a trickle uh, for about about uh, probably two months was the okay. longest it took. Great. Mm -hmm. um, um, that is one experience. Um, other people, I think, wait six months. Crickets. Yeah, like it but really varies. The the people that I, you know, the people that actually follow our advice, um, the advice that we have constantly given on the Thinking LSAT podcast and also on this podcast, uh, is to apply early and to apply broadly and. The people that that actually follow that advice, uh, also with your best LSAT, like apply with a shitty LSAT, it's not going to get it done. But if you apply early, broadly, and with your best LSAT, I, I feel like people always hear back within a week or two from some school because it's competitive. I mean, these schools want to climb the rankings and they're going to reach out to qualified applicants early because they want to beat other schools to the punch. Um, yes, it is true that all law schools do rolling admissions and yeah, maybe Harvard, Stanford, Yale, you know, they, they could, if they wanted to just not reply to anybody until January, but, but that's because they're Harvard, Stanford, Yale, and they're not very worried about climbing the rankings. You know, but when you're Harvard, they start sending out those interview requests. Yeah, well, Harvard Early. also is a gigantic law school. Yeah. Right? I mean, Harvard has 500 1Ls every year, so they've got to fill spots early. Um, okay, great. So it, it, it could be days. Um, and if you're the right kind of applicant, which you should be the right kind of applicant, or else don't apply. I mean, we want you not to pay for law school. We want you to go for free or, you know, maybe, Katie, if you end up paying to go to Yale... <laughs> That's a different league. Um, we, we want people to uh, go to law school for free, which means apply early, broadly, with your best LSAT score. And if you do that, I really do think you should hear back in a week or two from at least some of the schools. Next question, how do you go about negotiating? I want to be respectful, but I will not go unless it is for free. I love hearing you that. You have a, a, got job, a convert F. there, Nathan. That's yep. great. You want to take that one? Well... I, I guess I would just say ask. I mean, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily the case that schools are going to change their initial offer. 
But sometimes schools are going to admit you and make no offer at all. And it's totally worthwhile, I think, for you to say, you know, respectfully, professionally, I think an email is fine. I think a phone call is fine. But just say, hi, I'm, I'm really concerned about the cost of law school. Thank you so much for admitting me. I love your school, whatever. You know, make nice. <laughs> Pleasantries right. are good. But <laughs> make it clear that you're interested in hearing what their offer is. Down the road, like, you know, I, I don't I don't really think you want to be like negotiating with every single school. And I think it's a waste of time and it's a little bit unprofessional to be negotiating with a school that you have no intention of actually going to. I, I think that that's I wouldn't I might apply to that school just to see what they offer you. But I don't think I would actually like then. Oh, yeah. Can you give me a little bit more? That's like a dick move, right? That's like, oh, you really want to go on a date with me? How bad do you want to go on a date yeah. with me? And then eventually say, oh, actually, no. I mean, that's just rude. So I would. But but if there is a decent chance that you would actually go to that school if the price was right, I think you want to make that clear to them. I'm not sure you want to use exactly those words, but, you know, professionally to say, hey, I am, you could, you could easily say if it's a school that you actually will walk away and go to, you know, if, if you're like, well, I have this full ride plus stipend from school X and I, I really, I, I can't for myself and my family, I, I just can't go into debt for this endeavor. So I'm going to take that deal. If you can genuinely say that, then I don't see why you wouldn't say that to, you know, if that's the fact, then why not just say it? Yeah. Now. And, and the fact is the whole, I'm worried about the cost of law school. Everyone should be worried about the cost of law school, right? If you, you're you not. You put that in your email. I'm worried about the cost of law school. Well, like, if you're not, then you're naive, right? Like you're right. a fool if you're not worried. I mean, or you have family money, in which case, like, whatever, if you're you know, if Zuckerberg is your uncle, then fine. I, I, I don't care. We're not, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the 99.9% .9 of people who should be concerned about the cost of law school. Even if your folks have saved up some money and they're yeah. willing to support you, there's no reason that they have to use that money. At most schools, you should be able to get a full ride instead. So yes, telling the school, I am extremely concerned about the cost of law school I know that I can go for no tuition to these other schools. I, you know, can you reconsider your offer? Now, 90% of the time they might say no. They might have made their best offer up front. But I have seen schools change their mind. Oh, yeah. And, and I've seen schools change their mind to the tune of tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, I'll, I'll never forget. I saw UC Berkeley... There was a competitive offer from Columbia. UC Berkeley had offered zero. This applicant showed them the competitive offer from Columbia, which is a competitive school for UC Berkeley. Berkeley gave a full ride. So they went from zero to full ride. Yep. <laughs> it was worth, it's like $150,000. Well, it was less then. It was one hundred and thirty-five dollars back then. But, but it's a $135,000 email. So I guess my... That's a very long-winded response, but my, my, I would say stick to the facts and just ask. 
And recognize that it's part of the process. Like they're not going to, I remember when I was buying a car for the first time and I was like, I was so nervous to like try to negotiate because I was like, it feels so weird because I had never done it before. And I called my dad like outside the car I'm dealership. Still like that. And he was like, he was like, Katie, you're not trying to make a friend. They're expecting you to ask that. It's part of the process. And I was like, you're right. Duh. But this is the same. I mean, you're not trying to make an enemy, so don't be rude. But you're also not trying to make a friend. You're trying to – it's a business transaction. My solution is to go to CarMax where they just literally do not negotiate. I mean, I, I hate that shit so much. I want to see what the price actually is. But I hate law school admissions. Like, I think that the whole thing is just a really a kind of a dirty scam. I hate I, – I just hate the fact that there are so many law schools that give – 85% of their class some sort of a tuition discount or schools that give more than half tuition to more than half of their class. I mean, that's like just obviously overcharging some people so that you can get better qualified applicants to come to your school for free. And that it's very distasteful, but that is the system. And so, yeah, I would take Katie's advice here and just Hey, you know, these people, but boy, it's, it sucks. Cause they really want to be your friend. I mean, they're sounding like they really want to be your friend. You know, they, they, they come off as like the just warmest, you know, they, they want what's best for you and they want what's best for your career. And then in that same tone of voice, they'll say things like, well, surely you're not going to let money dictate where you go to law school. I mean, law school is a transformative experience and you, you can't let, you know, I mean, oh boy, I, it's your whole career that you're talking about here. Are you, are you really going to let money dissuade you? And the answer to that is fuck. Yeah. I'm going to let yeah. money dissuade me. We're talking about $150,000. You crazy. Go ahead. Well, I was just, I was so struck by the, the, the GoFundMe. Get a GoFundMe. Oh, your friends and family. GoFundMe. We don't give scholarships directly contradicting. Well, that was just a straight lie, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, making it look like they don't like, oh, scholarships are a small part of it. Bullshit. More than half your class gets more than half tuition. Scholarships are the main part of how people fund your stupid law school. And then you <laughs> suggesting that people go beg their friends and family. I mean, I, yeah, I have no patience for that at all. That's just. Yeah, it's just so dirty. It's I, whatever. I don't know. I, I don't like negotiating. But you are negotiating whether you like it or not. If you choose not to negotiate, all you're doing is losing the negotiation. So F, I would definitely ask. Um, you need to start standing up for yourself uh, because you're going to have to stand up for your client. And uh, negotiating is a big part of what lawyers do. So... <sighs> Whatever you do, make sure you ask. Okay, F has another question here. It says, how do law schools know if you were considered as an underrepresented minority? On an application, you just did applications. How, how do schools find out that you are URM? <laughs> I, think, I think there might be a box. There's um, a box. Yeah. There's a box <laughs> that you check, I think. Yes. Um, you can also... You, people also disclose that and or disclose or uh, share that in like a diversity <laughs> yeah. if they choose to submit one. Yes. Applications normally have a box that you're going to check to to say, yes, I am an underrepresented minority. Um, but they also will frequently ask you questions that are probing for, hey, you know, if you're going to bring diversity to our classroom, can you tell us how you might be able to bring that diversity? Um, 
I like diversity statements to be short and sweet. I, I don't think that it's, I'm much more interested in your personal statement, but law schools are genuinely interested in getting more diversity into their classrooms. I think that it mostly means black and brown people because there aren't enough, like it's not a represented population in law school. So I think that that's what they're really yeah. looking for. But I, I have well seen, be. yeah, yeah. But I have seen successful person, uh, successful diversity cases. Um, specifically, the Leop program at UC Hastings, where I used to go. Um, I can't even remember what Leop stood for, but there there were Leop students at Hastings who were white, but they were, um, you know, like. Uh, socioeconomically diverse. So don't get me wrong. I got an angry email just the other day from somebody who thought that I had somehow said that you can't be white and diverse at the same time. That's, that's not what I said. What I said though, I mean, you do need to, you do you need to be thoughtful about writing that essay. If you're, if you're not what, you know, if you're not, um, black or brown, and you're trying to make a case for yourself as diverse, then yeah, write an essay that shows how you're actually different. But like talking about, I don't know, there's, there's lots of things that I think people think are unique and different that are just not that unique and different. So <laughs> make the case for yourself, but also don't waste their time. You know, like think about it. If, they're, if you know that they're probably getting a thousand of these similar essays, then don't write that essay. But if it actually is different, then yeah, you can make the case in a diversity statement. Okay, F has one final question. It says, should I be following up in any way during the pending period? I would say probably not unless there's a really major change, like you get a new job or something and you wanna submit an updated resume. And a lot of schools have a place in their portal where you can do that. If you get waitlisted. If you get waitlisted, that's a different thing. Yeah, 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 sure. Mm -hmm. If you get waitlisted, you could send a letter of continued interest. Yeah, although uh, it's also not very likely that you're going to get a scholarship off of the waitlist. And so, you know, um, the ship might have already sailed if you get waitlisted. Many schools are going to waitlist you and then just never talk to you again. So, you know, don't like be planning on getting in off of the wait list and especially don't be planning on getting a scholarship off the wait list. But really? you could certainly send them a letter that says, hey, thank you for, you know, continuing to consider my application. Um, and if you have anything new to update them on or maybe a third letter of recommendation or something like that, you could ask them about just like try to have a conversation with them. I think it's also totally fair to follow up if you haven't heard anything in two months. Speaking from experience, at UC Hastings, I applied and never heard anything. And then I got an, a weird email two and a half months later that said, as you know, your application to Hastings remains incomplete. And I was like, what? As I know, I don't know shit. Are you kidding me? So they, what had happened was... What a mess. <laughs> it was it was a disaster. And I'll tell you exactly. I've told this story a million times, but probably nobody listening to this episode has heard it before. Anyway, they so LSAC fucked up. They sent two copies of the same letter of recommendation to Hastings. Instead of sending two individual letters, they sent two copies of the same letter. Hastings then 
marked my application as incomplete and didn't tell me. So 10 weeks later, I'm like, hey, what's up? I, you know, like I haven't heard back yet on my application and I have a 179 LSAT. Like I know you're going to admit me. So I didn't say it that way, but it, that's good. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. what's, I'm just curious. And as you know, your application is incomplete. What? So I then think... I had, you know, I, I had to send in another letter and everything, but it was a disaster because at that point it was too late to get scholarships. Yeah. I think some of that's been automated. So you should yeah. get like a portal where you can see it'll say complete, hopefully to check against that. But those are fallible. So yeah, you, you got to advocate for yourself. I would say like, if you know that your application's complete at Harvard, right, in September, and you haven't heard anything by mid-November, that's not atypical, right? right. So I think be judicious with those follow-ups. Um, yeah. You don't want to be annoying. You don't want to be following up all the time. But I, I would say in most cases, six weeks later, eight weeks later, especially if you do it, you know, cordially, professionally, um, this is a real good reason to go to law school visits or to go to law school fairs. If you went to one of those LSAC fairs or if you actually visited the campus, if you can make a friend in the admissions office. Now, remember that they're kind of not actually your friend and it's a negotiation and they're trying to charge you more than you need to pay to go to that school. But if you know somebody's name and face and they maybe remember you and you can say something like, hey, it was really nice to meet you at the LSAC fair or hey it was really nice to meet you on my campus visit i still haven't heard anything back from my application and i'm just wondering you know if you need anything else from me right something along those lines it's hard to see how that hurts you might not help you hard to see how it hurts you unless you're unprofessional or annoying about it yeah proofread okay. that email right proofread it oh well <laughs> And keep it short, y'all. Yeah. Like, people are terrible writers, okay? I, I hate to say it the, that way, but it's true. Like, I just... The majority of personal statements that we get at the um, Thinking LSAT podcast, I mean, the, the majority of them, and I'm using that word literally, I mean, more than half of the, the personal statements, are, like, just atrociously written and edited. So, <laughs> y'all need to be careful, and one of the best ways to be careful is fewer sentences and shorter sentences. Like you wrote two paragraphs. Okay, let's make it one. You've got five sentences in that paragraph. Mm, let's make it two. Yeah. You've got, you've got 30 words in that sentence. Uh-uh. Let's make it 10 or 15 or 20. You guys need to tighten that shit up. Shorter sentences, shorter paragraphs fewer sentences, fewer paragraphs. That's, that's the best tip for editing. Then you can also run it through Grammarly or whatever else. But yes, make sure that's a great tip, Katie, to make sure that you're not, boy, you could totally be shooting yourself in the foot if you write them some poorly edited email. Right. Especially if you're, if your personal statement's flawless and then you send them a long email that's janky, they might start to wonder, did you really write this? <laughs> Is yeah. this more indicative? Pull out yeah. your LSAT writing sample and sort of like, Yeah, you probably didn't have here? your English mentor, uh, you know, write this email for you. You probably wrote this email yourself. Oh, this is an example of what kind of email you're going to write. Lawyers send lots of emails. <laughs> Lawyers use email. 
you know, and like, oh, that's an example of your actual professional communications. Uh, yeah, I think we might pass. Cool. All right. Just be um, careful. Anything else for F? <laughs> no. All right. Why don't you Thanks, wrap it up? F. Thanks, everyone. This has been the uh, LSAT Demon Daily Podcast. You can find us on lsatdemon.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.